Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. I'm a Christian. I don't have to go to church. I can stay home and be all that God wants me to be right in my own living room. I used to say, well, yeah, whatever. I don't say that anymore. I just say to them, no, you can't. Just as simple as that. Because I've watched too many lives. It doesn't work. Now, why doesn't it work? Because God is the one that's designed this kind of service. Not this kind of service, but this format. He's designed the church to be a body. For many professing Christians today, spiritual life happens in one place. Church. You go into a building, sit and receive a sermon, sing some songs, then it's back to the same life for the rest of the week. If the Lord is worth so little time, it's a wonder why people bother at all. For many, it's for that feeling. Maybe the worship team chooses a favorite song or there's a familiar reading. It's skimming the surface of faith but never grasping it. God requires that we go all in. Believers can't be dabblers in the word. From beginning to end, we need to know all of him. Feelings are meaningless. Devotion is not. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 31, with our continuing study entitled, The Bible in a Nutshell. Most of the church today sits. They're spectators. They sit and soak and sour for an hour. They just sit. They're not excited about Jesus Christ. Now, that's not true of this church. We have so many people serving. It's wonderful. But what happens is Jesus says, I saved you. I came into your life. I, you're supposed to love me. Now do something about it. Here's some activity in your life. So you can see it includes all of me. Now, Jesus says we're to love God. What does love mean? In the English language, we have one word for love. It's what? It's love. In the Greek language, there's four words for love. Four definitions. Which one is this? Well, think about it. When someone says, I love the gators. I was waiting for a response. <laughs> when someone says, I love the Seminoles. Is that the type of love that Jesus is talking about here? No. When you say, get this service over, I want to go and I love to eat steak. I just love a steak dinner. Is that the kind of love Jesus is talking about? No. If you say, I love my wife or my kids or my pet or my dog or whatever, is that the kind of love that Jesus is talking about? No, it is not the kind of love. See, those are eros and phileo. Stargay is another one. The love that Jesus is talking about, it's this. It's agape love. Jesus uses one of the Greek words, and it means this, selfless and sacrificial love. It's a love that no human has. You can't love this way. Well, why would God say love this way when I can't love this way? Because he's the one that puts that kind of love in your heart. You can't love in a selfless and sacrificial way. That's the love of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you want to see how it's defined sometime, just turn there. You'll get discouraged after reading the first sentence when you see what kind of love it is. Now, 
Remember we told you I like something if you take part A and put part B and it works together. Here's part A. Jesus says, here's part A to the, all the commandments of God. Part A. If you love God, you will love God first with all of you. Now, in the Ten Commandments, we know that the Ten Commandments are broken up into two sections. The first four of the Ten Commandments have to do with our vertical relationship with God, a personal relationship with God, how we treat God, how God treats us. That's the first four. Well, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is equaling those first four Ten Commandments. It's a vertical relationship. That's part A. It has to do with my relationship with God. But there's more to that. The second part we see in verse 31. Let's look at it. And Jesus goes on and he says this. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, there is another part, and it's a horizontal part. It has to do with a neighbor. Now, first four commandments of the ten had to do with God. The next six had to do with how you treat a neighbor. Now, who is a neighbor? The real definition for neighbor is anyone that God brings across your path that has a need that you can meet. Now, some of you say, Pastor Mark, you don't know my neighbor. <laughs> I'm supposed to love them? I told you you couldn't do it. Without who? God's love. You don't know my neighbor. Jesus couldn't live next to him. You don't know my neighbor. Now, I know we've all had that experience, and maybe they think the same way of you. You never know. The neighbor includes my family, a neighbor, a co-worker, fellow believers, even an enemy. I'm to love my enemies. And in some of your cases, that's the same as your neighbor. I'm to love them. So what Jesus is saying is this. Part A is God. Part B is neighbor. You put them together, the equal one, that's the weightiest part. If you do that, you take care of your vertical relationship with God and you take care of your horizontal relationship with man. If you can do those, all the other commandments, all of them hang off of these two, A and B, put together. Now, what Jesus is saying with this is really this. You cannot love God in isolation. There's no way, if you're going to love God, you can just say, oh, I love God, but I don't care for people. Vice versa. You can't say, I'm a really a people person, but I have nothing to do with church. You're not obeying the commandment. It takes both. In fact, First John tells us, if you say you love God and you don't love your neighbor, you're a liar. You have to love your neighbor, which includes our enemies, which brings us to the point of why we need that agape love. Now, notice in this, these part A and part B, there's something very interesting. Jesus says we're to love God more than ourselves. Then he says we are to love others just as we love ourselves. Notice there's something missing. Not once is the word things mentioned. Today in our society, people love things, toys, stock market, money, homes. They love those things more than they love God or people. It's not even in Jesus' definition. Why? Because they don't matter. People that lost loved ones, they take nothing to heaven with them. You see, when you have a funeral, there isn't a U-Haul parked outside and you just take it with you. There's nothing in it. You go by yourself. 
So Jesus said the only thing that matters is people. So Jesus takes 613 commandments, the Ten Commandments, he wraps them into one, he filters them all through, and he comes out with these two. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Notice how many of those two parts of this one command are negative. Zero. Nada. None. He takes all of those 365 negatives and he makes them a positive. Love God and love your neighbor. That's the kind of God we serve this morning. People look at Christianity and say it's a negative kind of religion. Not a chance. It's positive. So when you see what happens here, I came across a definition this week. I like it. Love is an inner commitment to God that is expressed in all our conduct in our relationships. Quite often I have people come into the office and when I counsel, here's what they'll say. I've fallen out of love with my spouse. This is the kind of definition I bring out. I say, no, love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love is a commitment. It's a commitment. Now, the next thing you say, well, Mark, what do you mean a commitment? If I want to express love to my spouse, to my friends or to my kids, what ways can I express love to, to my neighbor and whatever? Well, you know, if you're a good neighbor, you maybe bake a cake when somebody moves into the area. If you're a good husband, you take your wife every week on a, a date night. Some of you go, oh, me, quit bringing that up again. No, I'm bringing it up again. You should be dating your spouse. You're showing love. As some of us need to bring flowers more or cards. That's the way we show love to people. Now, how am I going to show love to God? Hello, God. Would you like to go out to dinner next Thursday at 7 o'clock? You know, meet me there. Whatever. Send him a card. Where would you do it? Call him. How could you do it? Well, there is a way to show love to God. Turn to John 14, chapter 14, verse 15, and we'll see how we are express our love to God in a practical, practical way. This is a simple command from Jesus, and here's what he says. John 14, 15. If... You love me, you will obey what I command. So, if I love God, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to prove it, prove it by obeying how many of his commands? All of his commands. You see, words are cheap. So, Jesus is really saying this. If you say that God is first in your life, if you're really a believer that God has top priority, then you'll love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you'll prove it by obeying His teaching, by obeying all the Word of God. Now remember, when you come to Jesus Christ, it has nothing to do with your obedience other than accepting Him. We're saved, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, totally by faith. Works then come on the other side of the cross of salvation. We then prove this relationship that something has taken place in my life by good works and by the character of Jesus Christ. So this verse can really be reworded to say this. If you love me, prove it. Obey my commandments. Don't just be repeating the Shema, our God is one, the Lord is one. Don't just be talking about me, but prove it. Become like me. If you love me, you will want to please me. So that says love and obedience fit perfectly together. If you're going to love God, you're going to obey God. And by your obedience, you're showing that you love God. Remember now, you didn't get saved by obedience or works. Never. You're always saved by God's grace. Now, logically, if 
I say I love God, and I have to keep His commandments to prove it, there's another step. And what is that step? I have to know what? What His commandments are. Turn to the book of Ephesians while I'm talking, if you will. Book of Ephesians chapter 4. While we were in Hawaii visiting my brother, my wife and I would like to go to the beach early at Waikiki before the crowds got there, and that's the only time I like to go there, because I like other beaches, but we would go there early in the morning and watch the sun come up. Well, when you drive down in that area of town, everything is parking meters. You just can't find any place to park except if you go early. So when we went early, we, we would park and then go to the beach. But before we did that, we would look on the street for a little sign, and the little sign would say this, parking meters start at what? What time? They started at 8 o'clock. And they go seven days a week. And they go from 8 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock at night. So we would get there earlier than that because of the sun coming up early. We would go see the great sunset or whatever. Could get back in our car and drive home. Never have to put anything in the meter because we didn't have to worry about it. Now, what if we went about 8 o'clock, popped in, sat down, went out to the beach, had breakfast, came back about 10.30 and had looked at any sign, hadn't put any money in, what would be waiting for me on the windshield? A little ticket from Hawaii saying, God bless you, have a great holiday here. And I pay box. Why? Because I didn't know what the commandment was. I could go to town and say, well, I don't really know what the commandment is. You think that's going to hold water? Not a chance. He said, the sign parked in front of your car says from 8 o'clock, start putting the money in. So if I'm going to have to obey God, if I want to obey God, I have to know what His commandments are. How do I know what His commandments are? Well, the book of Ephesians, and we don't have time to go through this this morning, I'm just going to say to you really quickly as you look at this passage starting in verse 11, that God has put in your path a pastor teacher along with evangelists and prophets and apostles and so forth to do one thing, to prepare you to obey God so that you might know God's word, God's commandments. This is the, the reason for the church and the reason you're here this morning, one of the primary reasons other than worshiping God. Now, you're going to see four things from this passage that you might want to write down that should be happening in your life as you're learning what the commandments are. First of all, you need to be in church. If you're not here, you're going to have a difficult time understanding what the commandments are. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Secondly, you need to be taught. That's why we don't preach the Word of God. That's why we teach the Word of God to you verse by verse. So that you can see it yourself. You can go home and say, is that really what the Word says? So check this passage out, Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, when you go home. Number three, as you're learning the commandments, you'll find another great way to, to prove that you're a believer is that you're serving, that you're giving of yourself. And so many are doing that, and we thank you for it. And the last is, and this is the key, to grow up. Look at your own life this morning. I'll just read verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. Often I hear somebody say this to me, and it may be you. Over the last 20, 30 years that I've been in ministry, here's what I hear people say. I'm a Christian. I don't have to go to church. I can stay home and be all that God wants me to be right in my own living room. I used to say, well, yeah, whatever. I don't say that anymore. I just say to them, no, you can't. Just as simple as that. Because I've watched too many lives. It doesn't work. Now, why doesn't it work? Because God is the one that's designed this kind of service. Not this kind of service, but this format. He's designed the church to be a body. And he's given certain people gifts publicly to explain the word of God. That's the purpose for you being here. And as you're here, you should be doing one thing, growing. Ask yourself this question. Am I growing? Is my life being more like Jesus? 
Am I learning more of the Word of God? Is it applying to my life more? And am I, do I have faith? Am I witnessing? Am I sharing? Am I serving? Or have I just been kind of coasting? Nothing's happening in my life. Now, one of the things I find out, the people that will say this kind of thing to you are the people that don't want to ever be held accountable. They don't want anybody saying to them, Hey, haven't seen you recently. Where you been? So they just say, I can serve God sitting at home. That's a bunch of baloney. You need to be in the house of God. If you truly love God, you will be consistently under the teaching of the Word of God. That's where it comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Many of you are surprised still, even though we're like 13 or 1,400 people or whatever, or whether kids, many of you are surprised that I know often when you're not here. And you don't like that. Well, that's what God's given me. Why? There was a young lady here last night. She hadn't been here for a while, and I stopped her at the end of the She said, I know you're going to stop me, and I was going to come back and tell you. I've been struggling having some time, but everything's fine now. And I'm going right on with God. Well, why am I interested? Because her soul is at stake. Elijah separates from everybody, and he goes, sits in a cave, and goes, poor little old me. Now, we all feel like that sometimes, don't we? And he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Get back to serving me. That's one clue of God's cure for depression. It's to serve him. Because when you see other people with greater needs than yours, you can't be sorry for yourself. So you're going to see, if you're consistently under the Word of God, you're going to be growing. If you're not, that's how your growth will be. It's not legalistic. It's the way God designed it. Secondly, if you're here and you love God, you're going to be applying the Word of God. It's going to make something to your life. You're going to be growing in your love for God and for others. Here's the next thing I hear quite often. And I want you to listen seriously to this one. I hear people say this. They'll come in the office or they'll stop me at the door and here's what they'll say. My husband, my wife, my friend... My neighbor came to the Lord Jesus Christ X amount of whatever time ago. They came down front at a church somewhere. They accepted Jesus Christ. They signed something at the Billy Graham Crusade or whatever. And I've watched their life and nothing has changed in their life. They live exactly like they did before. Nothing at all has changed. And they asked me this question. Are they a believer? Well, I'm not God. Only God can see in the heart. But I have a good clue. And here's a verse that I've got in the Living Bible. I don't like the Living very much, but I do like it because of this. Let's read it together. And I'm going to read it as if I was saying it to you. Pastor Mark will never stop thanking God for this. That when he preached to you, Calvary Chapel of Melbourne, you didn't think of the words he spoke as being just his own. But you accepted what he said as the very word of God, by the way, which it is, which it is. And it did what? Changed who? Well, it changed my husband. No, it changed who? My life. Say it changed my life. It changed my life when who believed it? When I believed it. Now listen to this. There's some of you here, and I believe this is the greatest deception Satan has ever put on the church. And here's what it is. You've been a member of a church. You made a confession somewhere. You took communion when you were a child. You went to catechism. Doesn't matter. You went to church school. You go every week. You give. You believe because of those things you're a Christian. But let me read to you a statement. When a person comes to Jesus Christ for salvation, 
This new relationship will dramatically transform their life. A change in lifestyle will show them and others something profound has happened. They will begin to grow and be more like Jesus in good works and character. Their lifestyle will match their name, Christian, Christ-like, born again. If you look at your life this morning, and really there's been no change since whatever that profession of Christ was, whatever that card you signed, whatever church you went to, whether this church or any other, if there's been no real change, I'm not talking about a perfect person now, because there aren't any. If there were, we just scratch the word Christian, we'll all go home. It's over with. But I mean, if there's no, there's no way for the living God to come into your life and there be no change in your life. Absolutely impossible. And you say, why are you passionate about it? Because it's the greatest deception Satan has ever put on anybody. I'm religious and I'm going to heaven. No, you need to be Christ-like. There's a great difference between religion and Christianity. The thing you don't want to hear, and it's going to happen, it's in the book of Matthew. When people come and they line up and they stand before God, and God says to them, here's his words, I never knew you. What do you mean you didn't know me? And the Bible lists all the works that this person did. Good works. But what he's saying is, I never had a personal relationship with you. You never asked me into your heart. You did religious things. You did good things. But I never knew you. And here's what the next part he says. Depart from me. That's it. It's over. It's the end. You're in eternity without God forever. We call it hell. You don't want to go there. That's why I'm saying to you this morning, listen up. You can't play at this. You need to know that there's growth and change, that something has taken part in your life. And if there is no change in your life since you became a Christian, I have to say to you this this morning from my heart, I doubt whether you are. And if that's true, get right with God. Are there any benefits to keeping these two commandments, to love God? Yes, there's lots. I'm going to list four for you this morning. So... Just kind of look at your own life and say, is this happening in my life as a Christian this morning? The first thing I believe that happens is this. My walk with God is now simple instead of complicated. When I come to Jesus Christ, my walk with God is now simple instead of complicated. Many of you are raised with churches and these 613 rules kind of remind you where you were raised, don't you? Don't, 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 don't. How many remember those days? You couldn't do anything. And Christianity, people said, was funny. And you said, you got to be kidding me. I can't do anything. There's, and that's the way the Jews looked at it. It was a burden. It was horrible for them. But Jesus came, and he takes all of that complication away, and he makes it simple. He just says this, love God and love your neighbor. Do you believe a child can understand the love of God? Or is it too complicated? Well, I got a card. And it says this, I love you, Pastor Mark. <laughs> See the coloring? Great job. Better than any hallmark you could give me. I love you, Pastor Mark. And then inside it says this, and God loves the whole world. Signed, Morgan. When Jesus exhorted believers to keep his commandments, it went without saying that we should first know them. Pastor Mark made it clear that what Jesus was saying is that as followers of Christ, who truly love God, 
we should be consistently under the teaching of the Word. When we have that foundation, we can then apply the Word to our lives. That love for Him will be transferred to everyone that we come in contact with. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark shares the complications from holding on to baggage associated with the Christian faith that the life of a believer is burdensome and restrictive. Rather, we'll see how walking with the Lord is filled with joy and how the freedom from sin is actually an unburdening for the saved individual. We'll be reminded of the requirement to effectively love God and how we can know it. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together... Let's do life right.